The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. You keep that up and I'm going to sing a while, so... Uh, <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll cure you, amen. <laughs> the, uh, the, the raggedness of my voice, uh, you know... I, Sunday, I was standing beside my wife, and I <clears throat> kept, I mean, I can't help singing. I just can't help it. And, uh, and I kept trying ever, ever, I mean, whether the notes were low or high, I was, I was skidding out on them. And I finally just said, I'm just going to stay quiet. And that's very, very difficult. When you've got a fountain bubbling down deep inside, and the music starts, the right kind of music uh, starts, you can't help but just uh, get, a, get a song going. And uh, that, uh, that has been uh, my delight. My family sings, as Brother Wells' uh, family does. And uh, <clears throat> my son and his family and my daughter and others, they've, <clears throat> they've made several uh, albums. And, and I keep saying to them, I say, uh, <clears throat> look, the next time you do an album, just save me a little spot somewhere and let me do a little solo piece. And every time they say to me, they say, Daddy, uh, we, we'll pray about it. Now, I really don't have much confidence in their prayers because they haven't, they haven't said anything. And I'm sure if they were praying successfully, the Lord would say, you, you put him on there. But, but they don't do it. But anyway, Psalm 137 is my text of choice tonight. Psalm 137. It's been a great joy and delight to be here again at uh, Parkside and to be with Brother Wells and his family and with many of you that I've gotten to know and uh, including a bunch of these preachers that uh, are coming here regularly for the meeting. And I, I, I'll take the liberty here just to say to you, I hope uh, some of you are from out of state, and I hope maybe when you go back home, you've got friends there in your area. Uh, talk to them and encourage them about coming next year. Uh, what you're getting would be great for many of them as well. And uh, we could uh, have a lot more pastors coming. I think if everybody just pitch in and, and talk it up and encourage people about coming to the Baptist Leadership Conference. And among the delights that I've had the last two days is preaching alongside Brother Owens. And uh, we've just had a good time together. And uh, I've enjoyed hearing him and I've enjoyed the personal time with him as well. So may the Lord help us all to benefit from what we've gotten here and what we are getting. And again, Brother Young is in here now, and he'll be here tomorrow night. And uh, then Brother Hamlin and Brother Fugit will be in on Thursday. And so you got a bunch more to come, a lot of good stuff. And just keep putting your feet under the table, and I promise you the Lord will put good stuff on the table. Now, Psalm 137, top of the chapter. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The question then is, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Now, the context here is one of the Babylonian captivities. The Babylonians uh, came to Israel and uh, stormed the place, 
and they pillaged it and took what they wanted. And in many cases, that was captives. They would look for the brightest and the best, uh, people that they thought they could use in one capacity or another, and they would take them, literally hundreds and thousands of them, back to Babylon and enslave them. That's where they, are, uh, where they are here. This is the context of this. And they are a long way from home, enslaved in a foreign culture, and they are not a happy people. They are not happy at all. Nonetheless, the Babylonians asked two things of them. The Babylonians said, uh, we'd like to hear some of your music, and we want you to show us some mirth. And so that was the demand that the worldly Babylonians made of the godly nation of Israel. Now, this, uh, this is somewhat of a national emergency that is uh, facing the nation here. A national emergency. I'm sure you've heard of such things. Just recently, the president announced a national emergency for us uh, down on our southern border. And, uh, and very frankly, it doesn't take rocket science to figure that out. Uh, you say, how do you know that? Well, I have been down on the border just recently, and there is a crisis. There is no question about that by anybody with any degree of common sense. And so he declared a national emergency, and I'm glad that he did. What we're looking at here in this passage, and the application that I want to make of it to us tonight is, is what I'm going to call our national urgency. I believe we do have an emergency in our nation that is widespread, that is uh, ocean to ocean and border to border. I mean, it runs through every little village. It runs through every big city. It runs through the country places. And there is an urgency that is uh, really uh, well established upon our nation. Uh, the uh, Israelis were in captivity, and they said, we went down by the river. And this, no doubt, would be the great Euphrates. And they said, we sat down there by the river, and uh, we were just sitting there moaning and groaning and weeping and, and remembering what it was like when we were back home, remembering Zion, remembering the homeland, remembering Jerusalem. And as they thought upon that, their hearts were filled with sorrow and weeping, and they said, we took our harps, those instruments of music that were so common to them. They said, we took our harps and we hanged them upon the willow trees, just basically put them in storage because they were weeping, not singing. They were sad and not happy, and they did not feel as though that music was what they wanted to do. But they said, those that carried us away captive said, oh, what's the matter with you folks? We want to hear you sing. And they required of them, demanded of them that they sing, that they sing one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we do this? How can we do this? Where we are with things as they are, how can we do this? I believe we have a similar national, a national urgency. You say, what is it? I believe it's urgent that you and I understand that Babylon and Israel are not the same thing. They're not. Just like the church world where you and I live and work and are, are apart, and, and the world on the outside, they're not the same. There is a difference between everything represented by the Babylonians and everything represented by Israel. There is a difference between God 
and the gods. There is a difference between Christ and the philosophers. There is a difference between the Bible and all of the books, including the so-called holy books. There is a difference between the church and every other organization on the planet. There is a difference between Christianity and all of the man-made religions. Just like there is a difference between truth and error, between being principled and unprincipled, between godly and ungodly, there, there's a difference. There's a difference between religion and salvation. There's a difference between being wise or being foolish. Uh, there's a difference between a separated lifestyle and one that's not separated. There's a difference between loving and hateful, between vision and uh, blindness. There's a difference between standing and not standing. So yes, the Babylonians have their way, the Israelis have their way. The devil has a way, God has a way. And there is a difference between that old Babylonian worldly uh, mindset and, and lifestyle and what every one of the sons and daughters of the living God ought to be practicing. And I think it's urgent that you and I establish the fact Babylon is one thing and God's people are quite another. I believe, secondly, it's also important that we know that the world will do its dead level. It's dead level best. I mean, a full effort. The world will make every effort to enslave the people of God. I mean, to put us in a position where they are in control of us. They, they will do it. Uh, they'll do it and try to make us like it. You say, uh, what, what in the world? Listen, they, they, will, they will tell us things. They will, they will lie to us. Uh, they, you know, the liberals, bless their uh, hearts, the liberals have gained a footing in our country. They have set out to fundamentally radicalize and transform America. You say, what kind of liberals are you talking about? I'm talking about the liberal courts, the liberal politicians, the liberal entertainers, the liberal networks, the liberal educators, and even the liberal clergy. The liberals are living a lie. And they perpetrate those lies, and the more liberal they become, the bigger the lies they tell us. You say, what kind of lies have they told us? Well, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've tried to make us believe that the earth was the result of a big bang. And they got 29 different versions of that. Now, the last time I checked, and I have checked, every time that there's a big explosive bang, it doesn't construct, it destructs. You cannot have an explosion in a print factory and have a truckload of King James Bibles packaged and ready for delivery as a result of the explosion. The explosion will destroy and obliterate everything and create total chaos and confusion. And that would be true also in space. But the liberals have lied to us and lied to us and lied to us about that. Uh, the liberals have also said that the human race evolved from monkey to man, from the protozoic little uh, one-celled animals to the multi-complex 
creatures that we are. You say, well, why did they do that? They lied to us. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the liberals have told us that men can marry men. And women can marry, marry women. You say, well, why would they do that? They're liars. They lie. Uh, I, mean, I mean, how many times have they told us over the last years that a, that a fetus is not a baby? So what's the deal? They're lying. Just like when they told us that uh, Thomas Jefferson intended for churches to keep quiet on matters of state. That letter to the uh, Danbury group. Uh, and uh, you say, well, what's the deal? Oh, they lied about that. I mean, I mean, the same crowd, they've told us there's no harm in cigarettes. I buried a bunch of people who listened to them long before they should have died. The same crowd, oh, there's no problem with alcohol. You know, they're pushing now, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no problem with marijuana. They're pushing all that, pushing all that, lying to us. Uh, they told us it was dangerous to have the Bible in schools. <laughs> See how that's worked out. They, they've told us that moral restraint is Victorian and prudish and, and passe. I mean, on and on. I mean, they've told us the Bible is an imperfect, flawed book. Jesus only a philosopher. They told us whatever feels good, just go ahead and do it. They've told us that heaven and hell are myths and legends and, you know, man's basically good and society, given a chance, will just escalate up and up and up and get better and better. Well, all of that, listen, the world, the Babylonian mindset, the Babylonian culture, they will make a full effort to enslave us they will look in the cameras, they'll smile, they'll look pleasant, they'll do everything they can, but they'll tell us all of that garbage like I just went over there, and, and they'll tell us all that because they intend to control us and to enslave us. They want us to be the, uh, the uh, people down in the ranks, and they want to be in charge of everything. It's urgent that you and I understand that. It's also urgent that we acknowledge when the world gets the upper hand. The Israelis were in Babylon, and uh, I'm guessing they didn't get to choose what they were eating for breakfast. They were totally dominated, and here they are sitting down by the riverbank, crying their eyes out, remembering what it was like when they lived in freedom and at home, and, uh, and, and basically acknowledging, hey, this Babylonian worldly crowd, they've got the upper hand. And even now, we've got people scheming against us. They're up to no good. I mean, I mean, they may be on the city council. They may be in the state legislature. I mean, they may be in the ministerial, whatever the thing is in your town. And, uh, and peddling all of that stuff. And, uh, and when they get the upper hand, you, you and I need to stop and take notice and say, hey, we're, we're losing ground. And if I may say, I think it is, it is urgent and a national matter of urgency that we understand that the world's way never satisfies the saints of God. You and I let them entrap us, let them ensnare us, let them pull us into their way of doing things, and it will not satisfy the born-again sons and daughters of the living God. The world dominates God's people. They always become unhappy. Say, so why is that? Because that, that pulls us away from our normal self. 
Our normal self is to rejoice in the things of God. Our normal self is to plug ourselves into whatever God has said. And once we have been regenerated, I mean, I mean, nothing satisfies except to walk with God. And whenever the world pulls us away, all at once we are no longer the fruitful people that we used to be. When God's people get dominated by the world, they're not going to be satisfied. They're not going to be comforted. Here Israel is. They're a long ways from home enslaved in that foreign culture and they were not happy but those uh, Babylonians said you birds down there on the riverbank crying we want you to sing now you and I need to understand something right here I think it's pretty urgent that we understand that we know that the Babylonians know the difference some of our crowd, some of our crowd, we like to say, oh, you know, you know, we, we, we can get like them in a little bit here and there and it'll be all right. Hey, listen, the Babylonian crowd, they, they know, they know the difference. What, what they're saying, they didn't sing, they didn't say, sing us one of our Babylonian songs. They know, they know there's a difference. And they said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. So they are looking at us and they know that we're different. And they know that there is a difference. They know that our music is not their music. And whether their request is sincere or whether it may not be sincere is not the issue here. I think it's urgent that you and I understand that they know that where they are and where we are is two different things. And we, we have to pay attention lest they get us to hang it up. Put our harps on the willows. I mean, I mean there, there are people all over your town who probably would just, I mean, they'd be happy if you shut down. They'd be happy if you didn't have songs uh, coming out the, uh, the uh, doors and the windows of your place. They, they'd, be, they'd be more than happy if they could get us down to the riverside and get us to stop singing, get us to hang our harps up on the willows. They'd, they'd, they'd be delighted, I think. Now, in the case that that happens, tell you what they'll do. They'll taunt us. They'll mock us. Because, I mean, I mean, honestly, they expect more of us than we think. And whenever we don't function up to par, then, uh, well, they, <laughs> they, they, may not, they may not be good to us. One other thing I notice here, apparently the Israelis had not latched on to the Babylonian music. They're sitting down. They're sitting down. Now those harps are in storage. They're, they're not singing any kind of a song, and they certainly have not grabbed a hold of that Babylonian stuff. I think it might be a lesson there for us as well. It's urgent. I mean, I think a national urgency that we remember, I mean, I mean, you may be solid as a rock where you are tonight, where you stand tonight, but we cannot, you and I cannot afford to lose our song. We cannot afford that time down by the riverside. We cannot let ourselves become depressed. We cannot let ourselves get detoured. We cannot become dismissive of the great things of God. I mean, you, you may be down there by the riverside crying big old crocodile tears, because the altars are dry and the buses are sitting on concrete blocks and the church is going through the motion and not getting the job done. 
but those crocodile tears will not get it done. You, you and I have to, I mean, we have to understand the circumstance and the situation and rise to the occasion. You say, what do we need to do? We need to repent before God. Amen. Repent before God that we, that we allowed ourselves to become ensnared, allowed ourselves to hang the harps on the willows. We need to get ourselves right with God, report for duty, and uh, just announce that we're going to start walking the, with the truth boldly. I mean, we, we, we just need to get out of the middle of the road. A lot of our folks are so in the middle of the road, I mean, they, they can lean a little bit in a direction depending on who's happened to be around them at the moment. Somehow, just we need to get out of the middle of the road and just determine we're, gonna, we're not going to linger at the, at the riverside. We're not going to uh, just stay by uh, the, the river and whine and cry. I mean, listen, folks, we, we, we are, stop and think about it. When we remember Zion, what, what do we got to the children of God? We're saved. We're born again. We're washed in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. We are heaven bound with the hammer down. You and I have every reason to keep our harps in our hands. Every reason to sing the great songs that God's given to us and rejoice in the giving out of the sweet, sweet message of salvation. You and I have the wonderful privilege not only to be saved, but to walk with God and to serve Him. I mean, to be able to lift our voice in a whisper to pray in prayer or however that we choose to do it, to, to lift our voice toward heaven and ask God and talk to God and fellowship with Him. What a delight and what a joy. I mean, with things going wrong all around us and our world going crazy, you and I are saved. We're walking with God. We have every reason to stay excited and stay on top of things. We look forward to one of these days, heaven's trumpet will sound. You know, over the years, I've conducted hundreds of funerals. Every, every time, you know, you, you, you just never get used to that. Precious people that you love dearly, they go from us. And uh, we, we don't want to let them go. But whenever we do let them go, we know that it's only for a little while. We know that there's more to come. We know that when the body dies, the person living in that body still lives. We know that one of these days, heaven's trumpet will sound, Jesus will come, and we will, living and dead, be lifted out of here to go back to heaven for all eternity. Somebody wrote, His coming may be at midday, it may be at twilight, maybe perchance that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of His glory when Jesus receives His own. Oh, joy, oh, delight, should we go without dying? No sickness, no sadness, no dread, and no crying caught up through the clouds with our Lord in the glory when Jesus receives His own. Somebody else expressed it this way, his purpose is ripened fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. And oh, dear precious friends, you, uh, you, may, you may have found yourself by the riverside. Don't stay there. You may have found yourself with your harp hung on the willow. Don't stay there. 
Get yourself back in place and determined by God's grace to respond to the emergency and the urgency that our nation has. America, I mean, I'm glad when we elect good people. I'm, a glad, I'm glad when we have Christian people in, in offices and all that. But I'm telling you what we need. We need a generation of people, I mean, preachers who will be fire breathers, who will not give in to all this pressure to do talking when preaching time comes. We need some churches that will determine by the grace of God to push back the wave of Babylonian culture. We need some folks who will say, we're going to go soul winning. We're going to win bus, uh, run bus routes. We're going to win people to Christ. We're going to keep giving our tithe and more. We're going to do everything we can to push back the Babylonian culture and to set ourselves in place as we ought to be. The sons and daughters of the living God triumphantly and victoriously I'm telling you, nothing like the great music. Doesn't you love it when this choir was singing a little while ago? I mean, good night. We all ought to join the choir. Probably mess it up for sure if we did. But it makes you want to sing. And God help us that we'll take a lesson from these precious people who were enslaved in Babylon and determine that we'll remember to figure out there is a difference. And we don't let, need to let the trappings ensnare us. God, help us to keep our song. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege we have to serve you. Thank you, thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.